Well, welcome to the first podcast of Sons and Sparrows. I have my first guest on here, who I am excited to have, who I've dreamt for this day to have this specific person, uh, my beautiful, awesome, lovely wife, Sarah. Do you want to say hi? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into uh, the topics of what we want to talk about, I kind of just want to give it a little language of uh, Sons and Sparrows itself and the purpose and goal, the vision behind it. Um, I have had this vision, I think it came to me maybe three or four years ago, of uh, just doing this, being able to talk in the living room and uh, give language to why we do what we do, who we are in this culture that we're in, this arc culture, apostolic revival culture. why we believe what we believe, uh, and not to just have me on here uh, talking the whole time and preaching to people, but to have family come in and uh, especially have my wife come in and, and share what this looks like for us and our kids and our marriage and how we do what we do and why we do what we do. Um, so I, I remember just sitting on it and speaking to a few friends. I remember mentioning this to uh, Andrew Worth and, and a couple of other people, and then uh, I think I brought it up to Pop as well and saying, hey, I have something that's on my heart, and we sat on it and uh, brought it up to Pop again recently. I think it was it's almost been you know about eight months now. I think it was sometime last year. And uh, he was as soon as I talked to him, it was at, uh, it was at someone's who was it? Was it a baby shower? Someone's baby shower. <laughs> And, uh, and I remember Pop's look was just like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. And that, that was the stamp right there, aside from, you know, the Lord telling me that this is what, you know, he's giving me the okay on it. But primarily, I just want to bring people in and just really hear how this is affecting um, their families, their lives, um, how this is affecting their pursuit, their outlook, you know, hearing what Apostle Damon Thompson has been talking about. A beloved identity and how this has shifted their hearts and minds in their everyday life with family, uh, going to and from work, uh, casual encounters with people. Um, so that's kind of the the heart behind it. The reason why it's called Sons and Sparrows is um, I, we're primarily we are called to be sons and daughters. So when I say sons, it's it's the whole being of identity of being heirs. Uh, I think I, I read that from um, Oracle Teresa in one of her books. Um, when she was talking about how heirs is a general sons and daughters, so sons in general. Um, and sparrows represents the love of God. So it's, it's helping to bring sons into their identity and to engage the love of God, which is the ultimate goal. The, the whole reason why we exist, right, is to engage and encounter the love of Abba and watch that transform us from the outside or from the inside in or the inside out. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the background of it. Uh, I think as time goes on and as this podcast uh, continues to venture forth, we'll get even more inside of that and, and watch it just come about. My wife is shaking, is, is nodding her head, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll kind of get into the topics 
and uh, and kind of hear her heart and where we are and and what she's doing and and what her mindset, her paradigm is towards all of this. So, Sarah, I know I know some people from you know our our body, our family locally knows who you are. But for those that that may be listening to this, I want to I want them to hear your heart and where we come from first, from your perspective. I've I've heard we we talk about this all the time, but um, where where did we come from to to see how do I how do I even ask this? Basically, our, our origin story. Spiritually. Spiritually. <clears throat> well, I was born into and raised in the Catholic Church. We had been together for a few years. We got together very young when we were teenagers. And you got saved into... Saved? I hate saying that. <laughs> it's a habit. You were awakened to the reality of... Abba's love for you um, in a church of God. And so when we got married about a year later, we thought, well, that's where you go, the church of God. Um, from there, we, I'm not proud of it, but we've been kind of all over the place. We've been to a non-denominational church. We were going to a, an Assemblies of God church for a while. Um. Eventually, we've been to UPC, and then we ended up back at Assemblies of God before we found home at the Summit Church in Crestview, which is now the Southgate family. Yeah. How, how, <laughs> how different would you say that the cultures that we've come from, you know, you've mentioned the different quote-unquote um, denominations to where you know, we now, what we believe now and, and how we see it now, it's so, so radically different. It's, it's literally day and night. Right. How would you say that that's changed you? Wow. I think before when we were going to all the other churches, there was always a hunger in us and we always knew there was more, um, and it came to a point of frustration for us to be surrounded by people who were content with being limited in services, who were content with the status quo of how religion had, has been for years and years for their grandparents and their great-grandparents. Yeah. And <clears throat> coming to where we are now, there's just so much freedom. It feels limitless. Like we can go anywhere. Six months from now, we're not going to be in the same place. A year from now, we're not going to be in the same place. 20 years from now, I mean, my God, I can't imagine where we're going to be. You know, whereas before it was just kind of like the same thing yeah. over and over year after year. Um, and just like you said, night and day, that's exactly what I thought of when you when you asked me that question. It's just two completely different worlds. But I'm thankful, you know, for so long when we first came to the summit, I had asked the Lord, like, why 
did you let us go through all of that? You could have just shown us yeah. that this was right here all along when we moved here 10 years ago. But, you know, I think it's really solidified in my heart that we can never, ever go back. I will never, ever choose that system again because of the contentment and the um, just life and joy that we found where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not that we're bashing where we've come from or the churches. Because no, not at all. I'm the Lord, The Lord met us right where we were at, you know, being in Wyoming and at Miracle Valley. You know, we, we, ex- we experienced and encountered crazy touches and in, in, in breathings of, of Yahweh. We did. And, you know, it was an immature state. You know, that's all we knew, but the Lord still met us there. Yeah. And even then, it was like we still felt that hunger that there has to be more. Not that we weren't content or or uh, satisfied with what he was doing, but there was just there was that spiritual itch. Yeah. Um, you know, questions started to arise in the both of us, like, man, what about this with God? What about that with the Lord? What about this? And and the more questions we asked, we we couldn't find people to answer those questions. Not to say that, well, you can't answer our questions, so we're going to leave. Um, so the one, you know, the the the, the atmospheric places that we've le- that we've uh, gone from, I hate to say that we left. We we kind of did because we had to move from Wyoming to Florida, but um, the places that you know the Lord had uprooted us to plant us where we are now, um, the Lord is still, you know, it's it's still His house. It's it's still His dwelling places. Right. Um, but it's just so so significant of where we are now because it does literally feel like we've been awakened. Yeah. It felt like again. Yeah, again. <laughs> again, again. Um, and it's such a, a good awakening. It's it's like you can breathe such pure, fresh air, and you're and it is. You know, we still have that thing that's in us. It's like, man, where was this? You know, when we were 25. You know, uh, where was this when when we were 27? You know, imagine where we could have been. But it's like, the Lord is like, okay, but you're here now. Right. What are you going to do with what I am doing in you and doing in the family now in this culture? How are you going to respond? And so it's like the only thing that I can do is just I, I surrender to it. I yield to it. I feel like as of lately, those are the only words that can come out of my mouth. Um, and then, and, and, and so now that kind of leaks into our, the next question. It's like with us knowing where we've come from and seeing, you know, Audrey has been there from the beginning. You know, she's 12 now and we've seen her, you know, me and you being at IHOP that one time in Wyoming and her closing her eyes and putting her hands together and praying at the table at that one point and seeing her worshiping at some of the churches that we've come from, even here in Florida. Um, we used to see her just, you know, go after it versus now, not to say that she's not going after it, but she's older. And there is this atmosphere of freedom that we have. Um, but for us, you know, could I really, could we say that it was really freedom in what we were operating in? Or was it, was it an immature state of freedom? Was it like the, 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 the most freedom that we were able to operate in? Because that's all that we knew. And so there was that, I, I, ha- I feel like I have to raise my hands in front of people, you know, from the cultures that we've come from before to show that I am deep. I am spiritual. I am on the right path. I am, you know, I'm not messing up. That, that level of performance a little bit. And, and there it was, it was almost like we were kind of, it was like we were kind of teaching our kids, hey, you have to do this. You have to do that to make us happy and to show those around like we are the perfect family. And so 
I guess my question, and Lord knows we were, we were not the perfect family. Still not. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can remember <laughs> driving home, uh, driving from the house to go to church, and we would be arguing. And we would... <laughs> We would we would be screaming at each other. Audrey's like what four or five years old in the back seat before we even had Elijah, and uh, we'd get out and be like, "Good morning, brother. Good morning, pastor." You know, and and having this <laughs> smile on our face and crying before the Lord. You'd be up there leading worship, and we'd get back in the car and we'd continue on the argument. And and it was just there. That's when it was like there there has to be something different because I'm tired of feeling like I have to pretend, and I don't want this to go into my children. Right. I definitely did. I mean, Audra's been there from the beginning. She knows when we first, you know, got a taste of ministry, at, you know, in Wyoming, it was like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. But it was all I knew was when we came here, I did not want, I, I felt something in my heart that was like, I don't want her acknowledging that religion that was in me because she's seen the background. She's seen, you know, what happened behind closed doors with mom and dad. Right. She's heard it all. And, and so now it's like her being 12 and we are in this now we've been here at Southgate for what? Almost six years. Almost six years. And so she's seen the religion side. And so now she's seen the free side. And I, and I definitely want to have her on the podcast because I want to, I want to hear from her perspective, what, what, what it was like with her, you know, seeing both sides, Mm -hmm. you know, to where we are now. But I guess my question for you is, how significant would you say, I'll start off with this one question. How significant would you say that this is for our kids? All three, you know, though Gabby, you know, is, is still saying for go. <laughs> she, she doesn't know. But how significant is this level of freedom that we're in to where there's no performance? And I know this is kind of like a, a no-brainer question. But in your eyes, in your heart, what does this mean for you to have our kids in this no matter what? I think it's everything. And ultimately, it's the reason why we were willing to leave what we were in. I mean, we were part of a great church. We had been there for several years. We had community. Um, you know, we, ha- we were leading. And it was a good place. We loved the people. Um, but I remember visiting where we're at now. And Audrielle came out of Children's Church talking about Holy Spirit. And I had never heard anything come out of a child like that. I had never been to a church where I had seen the kids seeking the Lord um, with the adults in the way that I had seen where we are now. Um, And so, like I said, it's everything. We didn't want her to just know Bible stories and be good Bible-believing Christians. And I believe that people are sincere in that. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to dishonor anybody's heart. There's obviously, we need to teach our kids foundational things. But hearing that there's no junior Holy Spirit just opened my mind to the reality that our kids could seek after the Lord the way we were mm-hmm. at their current age. And they didn't have to wait to be 18, 19, 20 to decide that they wanted to go after him with all their hearts. Yeah. Um, so they are the reason we're, we remain yeah. in the culture that 
we're in now. Did that answer your question? It did. It did. Okay. Um, I think uh, when it when it comes to our kids, it's I, I just I had this thing of you know there's that part of me that's like man you know I, I want both sides of this I want to be able to uh, do the work of the kingdom. I want to see, you know, millions of people come to the Lord, not just get saved. I'm talking radical encounters to where they never go back to the old lifestyle that they used to live. And it's very evident. I want the Lord to use me. But then it's like to see if if all that I do on this earth is steward the, the flame in my kids. Right. To see them come home from school and 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 just see them come home and there's there's tears in their eyes. And I'm like, man, what what's going on? And for my daughter to look at me one day and be like, I just, on the bus, I just, the Lord just met me right there. And because of that, you know, people just started to ask questions and they were, she was able to introduce Yahweh or just, I, I, we dream of seeing both of our kids, you know, Audriel and Elijah, you know, in the room praying together. That would be a miracle. <laughs> It'll happen. That would be like it, the moment that that happens, we can say revival has come. I don't care what anybody else says. It's here, <laughs> babe. Shift your mind. <laughs> but, you know, that's if, if that's all that we do is steward the flame of our kids, I have to reconcile within my heart as a father that, you know, I have to be fine with that. And I feel like the Western culture has put such an emphasis on your ministry, 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 ministry. And we, we start to neglect the fire that's in our kids? Are we stewarding that properly? And that's something I have to ask myself. As much as, you know, as mothers and fathers, we we kind of, we know the question, but we choose not to answer it. We don't want to acknowledge it because we know that we'll say, well, I'm doing the best that I can. Well, are we? You know, when, when you know, when our kids are coming up and, and there's attitude, you know, or just 12 and she's acting like she's 18. And there's certain things that she says, how am I going to respond to how she's acting? Is it going to reveal Christ? Is it going to reveal love? Right. Um, but I guess that, you know, this, you're right. This is the reason why we remain in this culture. It's, it's not for us. I mean, it, it, it is to a sense, but we more than anything desire for our kids to be at the altar 24 uh, seven, whether it's here at home or at church and not get discouraged whenever they seem to be getting distracted. You know, I, th I think um, Lauren Gordon came to us one time and she said she had a dream of, uh, of Elijah running around in the sanctuary. This has never left me ever since she told me this. She said she had a dream of Elijah running around and she saw me getting frustrated. And she said, Apostle Damon came up to me and said, hey, this is okay. It's all right. Everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's ever since then, I've had to constantly reconcile that within me to say, hey, my son is seven. It's okay. Right. He's here at least. He's in the presence playing. He's not distracted in the sense that we think he's distracted. But if the Lord really wanted to get his attention, it's, it's like, let him learn to even just be around my presence. Let him learn how to feel comfortable with who he is in this atmosphere. Because in our minds as parents, we want our kids fire, Holy Spirit, come down. I want to see my, I want to see my children convulsing at the at the <laughs> altar, you know. And it's not going to look like that. Not always. Not always. You know, I, I feel like we've put such an emphasis on that the 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 convulsing, the shaking, the 
the the all that crazy physical manifestations those are just evidence that the holy spirit is here and we're not celebrating the, the very fact that the holy spirit is in them right so um yeah i'm 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 excited for what is happening and what is going to happen with our kids um this is a very very crucial and, and important thing in our lives um with our family yeah and i want to add I think it's taken a real mind shift in us to having gone into ministry in our early 20s, which was over 10 years ago. Um, you know, we go back and forth with, well, what are we doing? What are we doing for the Lord now? And there's been this change in my mind, you know, that they are our disciples. Yeah. Oh, man. And yes, I do desire to see the sick healed, the, you know, the lame walk. I desire to see our fr uh, city free of drug addicts and wanderers, and I desire to raise the dead. I desire to lead um, people to the love of God Yeah. ultimately. But if we never do those things, we have three that are going to change the world. Yeah. And I believe it. I believe it with my whole heart. Um not to say that both of those things can't be done simultaneously, but I think before for us, there was such this emphasis on, you know, we've got to be involved in youth ministry and we've got to be involved in kids ministry, different things over the years. Um, and they've been amazing. I'm, I'm really thankful for those seasons of our life, but our family felt like it was, I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't lacking but we put more of an emphasis on pouring into others yeah. than into our own children. Yep. And, you know, what good is it to see? I don't, I don't want to say what good it is. What good is it? But as a mother, it wasn't satisfying to see 20 kids go after the Lord, but my own kids don't understand it. Yeah. You know, I, for, for us, I'm speaking for us. We needed to come to a place where we could do both. And if we couldn't do both, then we've definitely got to pour into our kids. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, my mind has just changed so much about what this means for our kids. Even seeing, you know, Ethan and Landon and, and the kids in Mobile, it's just reminding me the importance of keeping them in this culture of beloved identity and us being the father to them ultimately, because it doesn't help if we're one you know, person here yeah. and then another at the church. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you, that you said that because along with that follows very closely, if not married to how, how we mother and father, <clears throat> it's, I'm not going to say ultimately, but it plays a major, major role. The way that we mother and father kind of, it, it models how we are mothered and fathered. And that's, it, it plays, it plays a very significant role in how, and this, this kind of bleeds into the next question of how significant or how major of a role is it, you know, that we have mom and pop in our lives and how they love on us how there's grace displayed upon us and how that bleeds into us and how we 
are able to carry the same DNA, right? the same paradigm, the same spirit, the same fire, you know, and, and it pours into our kids. It, it's, it's like, I don't want to, I don't even enjoy calling it a, um, a spiritual umbilical cord anymore because yes, it's that, but at the same time, it's so much more than, than an umbilical cord. It's, I, I don't have the, the word or the language for it yet, but it does go so much deeper than that. But I, I do want to ask how significant is being mothered and father, um, by, by mom and pop, by pastors, Jason and Misty, how has that played a, a key role to, to you or to us? Wow. Um, it's changed our lives in so many ways. I would say the first, um, I guess, fruit, like instant fruit of that relationship coming into alignment was our marriage being at peace. Yeah. I mean, I know for so many years we kind of went around these circles of arguing with each other over the same things. I mean, it, it, was, it got pretty bad at times. But, of course, you show up to church and act like everything's fine, you know. Um, but I know we had come to a place where we were really tired of it. And we didn't talk to people about our marriage, you know. I no, we did not. I grew up very private, very secret. I don't tell anybody about anything. <laughs> like, I need to convey that I'm a fortress, you know, and everything's fine. Um, but when we finally exposed to Pastor Jace, Pastors Jason and Misty, what was actually going on. It only took one conversation. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Everything came at peace instantly. Yeah. We didn't have to strive for, I can't even put into words like how much it has changed our marriage. Yeah. Um, so that would be the first thing. Um, I, I do want to keep what you're about to say, but I do want to say that with what you just said, the first thing that you addressed was marriage. You didn't address our um, efficiency in ministry, right. our longevity in ministry, our, our giftings, our, our, you know, the things that we've done, the casting out of demons before in the past. And not that wasn't the first, the first thing you addressed was marriage. And so what is significant about that is if, if you have quote unquote spiritual parents and the first question that doesn't come out of their mouth is how is your marriage? How are your kids? How is your house? If those three questions aren't coming out of their mouth, you might want to run because if the first question is coming out of their mouth, hey, how's the ministry, brother? Hey, son, how's the ministry? How's the, how's the church? That's not what a father is supposed to do. And I, and I, let me, I, I pulled it up because I definitely wanted to get into this because of how significant it is, and I, and I want you to finish what you were saying. But in Luke 1, 17, I even uh, talked to, to Pop about this because uh, this, is, this is him. This is him and mom right here. It says, in the same prophetic spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before the face of the one he's about to introduce and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and will convert their unbelief into a seeing for themselves by bringing them into an unveiled understanding of righteousness. And that is the, 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 the very key of being a spiritual mom and dad is to bring their sons and daughters into a seeing for themselves of who the father is. That's, that is the perfect depiction of a spiritual mother and father. And the best way to honor that, the best way to honor your spiritual parents, yes, there are gifts. You can bless them with, with physical gifts. 
You can give them monetary surprises. You can give them a love offering all day. But the best way that I, I would say this is the, the best way to honor them is to burn. Because the moment that you come into that encounter with a face-to-face and you continue to steward that flame, that's the best way that you can ever honor a mother and father is by honoring to the place where they bought you, which is the face of Abba. So I, I definitely just wanted to add that in there and say that that is truly significant. That's, that's the pinnacle point of a spiritual parent is right. to bring you to the face, if not the feet of, of Yahweh right. and to stay there. That's the best way you can ever honor people that, that you call a, a mother and father in your life. But go ahead. You can go on to your second point. I'm sorry. How do you follow that? <laughs> um, I think I was just going to say, um, you know, I have the most amazing parents. And I'm, I'm very close to them. Um, so I didn't necessarily feel like I needed, you know, a mom and a dad in the way that you have felt. Um, but... I don't go to my parents for marital advice. And I do go to my parents for a lot of things. I value their input. I value their wisdom. But it's so nice to have a team yeah. that's yeah. helping to grow me. Yeah. You know, and um, they're a safe place for us. Yes. And it's so nice to have that. You know, I do like to process with the Lord first and foremost. Um, and hear his voice for myself. And, but you know, when I get stuck, I know that I can come to them and be loved regardless of what I'm going through or what my thoughts are or whatever. Um, and that's been everything. And just seeing the way that they've loved their boys, Ethan and Landon, you know, it's given us a model. Again, my parents are wonderful. I think I had one of the greatest childhoods ever. And I'm thankful for that. But I also have this, this other model that's so different from how I was raised, um, but is so the love of the father. You know, you can see it in pops. You can see it in mom. And, and you can see it in my parents, too. Um, but again, it's just nice to have another perspective, another and kingdom perspective, ultimately, um, to look up to and to teach us how to mother and father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to add to that, you know, there's, there's not one perfect person on this earth though. That is, that is our ultimate destination. And, and according to scripture, we are, we are perfect. So it kind of contradicts what I just (laughs) said, but, um, to be able to see mom and pop do what they do, um, at the level that they're at now, I can only imagine where they're going. You know, it, I, I love chasing them because every time I get around pop, we just start talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the beautiful part about my relationship with him is every time, I know every time I get around him, he's gonna start saying some stuff that's gonna cause me to think. Right. And it's gonna cause this stirring and it's gonna cause this hunger. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always having to chase in a good way. Right. Um, some people may hear this and be like, oh, you're not supposed to chase a man. Well, okay, then you completely disregard the words of Paul, you know? Pop is one of those people that I gladly um, look at and say, I will follow you as you follow Christ. Right. Um, but it's, that's, that's what draws me even more to him. You know, we, we, we get in the car and we talk. 
or we're in his office and we're talking or we'll text and, and I'm sending, I'm shooting him a text and I'm like, man, this is what the Lord is doing. And he's like, heck yeah, man. And he'll respond with something and we're just, we're pinging. Um, and then with mom, it's, it's whenever I look at every time, every, I mean, this just happened just this past Wednesday, you look at mom's eyes and all you want to do is cry. You know, when you, when you're looking at mom, you know that you have her attention. Mm. And so it's, they are the type of couple to where it's like, they are not going to have to keep up with people. You're going to have to keep up with them because they're not going to stop chasing after Yahweh. And, and that's what people have to understand. People that may be looking at this from the outside in, they're looking at it like, man, you know, that, that church is just, it's, it's so free, you know, in a negative sense. Like there's, there's no structure. There's no, you're looking at it from the outside. You're not seeing how much grace is giving so that way people can actually grow. They're able to sit down with people and, and love on them. They're not quick to discipline. They're very, very quick to love. Right. The amount of grace that is displayed upon people amazes me. And that's, that's the area that I'm growing in. Because I'm like, oh, they would have been kicked out. They, they would have been kicked out immediately. <laughs> they would have got dismissed with a letter. Um, we would have taken it to scripture, you know, you know, put them in front of the congregation let everybody know what they did was wrong and dismiss them because my fuse is very short. And that's why I have a father in my life because I've sat in on times where he sat down with people. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, pop, get him. Please get him. Get them. Get them. And, and it's like, no. Like, we, we, need to, we need to love. We need to show grace. And not to say I don't have love. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I just... I know me personally, Sarah, you know me, my, my fuse for nonsense, common sense, you know, I'm just like, come on now, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's just move. We should, we shouldn't even have to be preaching about forgiveness right. at this point. Yeah. On, let's, let's go a little bit. <laughs> um, but that, I think that's, that's such a, <clears throat> that's a very special part that I, I treasure about them yeah. is their, their level of grace. Um, everything hasn't been hunky dory, you know, with, uh, with us, um, it, there, there have been some bumps in the roads, um, but I'm very, very thankful for those bumps because it has, we've, we've had the opportunity to run. Right. You know, when, when things got very, very dicey, we picked the next state, we picked the city that we were <laughs> going to move to, we were ready to go. Yeah. Um, all we were waiting on, if we had the movers numbers, we were ready to go bankrupt to get out of here. But instead of allowing offense to settle in our hearts, when things were going the way that they did, mom and pop reached out. They loved, they encouraged, they sent texts, they sent phone calls saying, you guys can do this. And that's what shifted because as much as we've gone through what we've gone through with other leaders, um, not to say that we were just dishonoring and, and causing a ruckus, but offense can rise up in people. Yeah. And as, as quick as we used to you know, just run, we had a mom and dad to look at us and be like, hey, no. Like, let's, let's sit. Let's just sit. It's okay. The amount of times we've heard no, and we've sat, and we had to learn, and we've had to honor, we had to value their voice. We can't call them who they are in our life and, not on, and look at their advice as optional. Right. We can't hear the, the words of wisdom that comes from them and say, okay, well, that's mom and pop. You know, I, I don't agree with it because it goes against my desires for my life, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to... Say, okay, cool, but then do the complete opposite. There's no point in, in coming to them if you've already made up your mind. Right. 
So go ahead. I saw I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to say that, you know, we don't have a lot in common with mom and pop. Yeah. I mean, we love pop's ribs and Jesus. That's about <laughs> narrows it down. <laughs> um, so it was a little weird at first growing our relationship. And then, you know, like you said, it hasn't always been easy. We've had opportunities and thoughts to walk away at times. Um, but ultimately, we knew we were loved. Yeah. And there's no walking away from that. Yeah. You know, and I had this revelation after we went through everything, you know, like a really hard time in our relationship with them, that I'm willing to overlook your faults often because we are in covenant and we're not easily going to break covenant. But in the church, we get so shallow with others that we're willing to leave at the first bit of conflict. And that's been the problem, you know? And so I had this revelation. We're so willing to overlook each other. Well, I've, we've entered into covenant with them and they're not perfect and we're not perfect but we choose them. Yes. We choose them every time, Yep. you know? Um, and because of what we went through, there's a deeper appreciation. There's a deeper honor. There's a deeper gratitude. There's a deeper, um, I don't know, depth of conversation. Just everything just feels richer because of what we went through. And I'm so glad we didn't, walk away when we wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this isn't to try to try to puff them up or to make, or put, to put them on a pedestal. This is just signifying the significance of having a mother and father in your life. Um, so I'm just, I'm really glad that we're able to, to kind of dive deep into this because this is, this is a foundation for us. It's only, it's part of a foundation, not the whole, um, to be able to know that you have, um, you know, a mother and a father, and 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 dare I even say a friend, you know, prob- I, I would probably consider, you know, aside from you as my wife, you know, my best friend, I look at Pops as my best friend. And and with, with people, it's so easy for people to kind of hide certain parts of themselves from the spiritual parents because they don't want them to lose honor. Mm-hmm. They don't want, they don't want to get pulled from ministry. They don't want, um, their spiritual parents to look down upon them like, man, how in the world could you? It's actually the complete opposite for me. I'm probably more quick to run to pop about anything and expose and be like Paul to be like, I want to be able to have a clear conscience in every aspect of my life. So that if something does rise up, mom and pop are able to say without a shadow of a doubt, that's not Derek. That's not Sarah. We know them. They, They are extremely open. And that's how every relationship should be not being afraid to completely disrobe and, and basically kind of just stand before Yahweh and, and the ones that Yahweh has put into your life as a spiritual governing authority, apostolic authority over your life, and, and, and be completely vulnerable. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's, there's no reserves you know, hidden. There's nothing that we say, okay, well, you know, I mean, we're married. That's different. But we, we go to them. Right. And so, like I said, this is just, you, you need, you need, um, you need people like this in your life and not just one person that's single 
to go to one. You, it's going to take a partnership. Yes. Because I'm telling you, it's going to cause even more chaos. Yes. Because then, say you're dating or you're married, and the one that looks at them as a spiritual parent goes to them, and but then your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend does not agree with that advice. What are you going to do? Right. So, um, but yeah, yeah, we're not going to get into relationships right now. That's for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but cool. Let me, uh, let me see. I'll ask two more questions and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, from the very beginning, when we first started coming to the summit and then the South gate, um, we've heard the word honor so many times. It became a normal conversation just about anytime we talked with anyone, honor this, honor that, um, and not to dishonor the word honor, but um, how has honored, how has honor shifted your perspective and your life? Wow. Um, well, I would say it's help helped shift things in many different aspects. You know, when we talk about honor, we're generally talking about people. When we first came, I remember hearing that word honor and it felt so real. Yeah. Like, you know, at the other churches we went to, we would have pastor appreciation or people would stand up and clap for the pastor, but it kind of felt like, well, that's just what you do. Yeah. And I remember coming and hearing that word honor and even feeling like tangible honor in the room. Um, it helped me look at people differently. But that was just the, the beginning, because when you talk about honor in the kingdom, you know, we can honor our encounters. We honor the voice of God. Um, we honor our experiences. We honor our jobs. We honor, you know, the blessings that God has given us. And it's the key to more. Yeah. It always has yes. been. And I heard it, and I didn't understand it until... Um, maybe a few years after we had been at the church and really seen it activated in our, in our lives where we received things that we weren't necessarily praying for. We weren't asking for, it wasn't even our heart's desire, but out of honor for what was happening, the Lord gave it to us. And that's not to say, I'm not telling people, well, you should honor so you can get what you want, Yeah. you know, um, and God knows our hearts. So he knows when it's genuine, but, um, just valuing everything mm -hmm. the Lord does, says his people has, um, I don't know how to explain it. I just see everything so differently. Yeah. Even the smallest things. Yeah. You know, celebrating the small things in order to inherit more um, has been key. As you've been reading Apostle Aaron's books in the past year or two has really stuck with me. Um, because before I'd be willing to overlook yeah. so many things, you know, and just say, well, that's just part of life. Um, but it's not. It's not. It's Yahweh. Yep. And honoring what he does and, and his people is a, is a life changer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honor is definitely a, a, one of the major keys in the kingdom. Not to just get what you want, but for your, your whole mind, your whole being to change. Um, and it's not just honoring those that are in authority. It's honoring everybody every yes. person if we honor let me just put it this way if we honor one of the top 
leaders in our church or in our revival culture more so than the homeless man in the streets, then we have a perverted perception of honor. Yes. If you're quick to give gifts to those that are in a seat of authority more than the person that's sitting right next to you, yeah. your your perception of honor is, is, is a bit askew. And it just needs to be um, shifted a little bit. Right. Because you have to you have to find that the same amount of Jesus that's in that that leader is in the person that's sitting right next to you in the pew. Right. Well, which there is double honor in the Bible, yes, obviously, not to disregard um, scripture. But, you know, I love what mom and pop have been saying about honor. It's just valuing. Yep. It's just valuing yep. people. And that's ultimately what Jesus has commanded us to do, mm-hmm. to love others as he has loved us. Yeah. And not just to love, you know, it's easy to love pastors and people in positions and notoriety. But it's not as easy to love somebody who gets on my nerves. <laughs> it's not as easy to love the whacked out drug addict walking down the street, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, I would even say a little bit that honor also increases our capacity to, to operate in grace more. Mm-hmm. It gives us, honor gives us the grace to look at people different. Right. Because if you can't honor... How are you supposed to look at someone in love? Right. So I think that's been something that I've been learning um, through. Uh, we have Ethan over here. He's he's handling our sound a little bit. And he's foaming at the bit to, to hop on here and say some things. But um, yeah, it, it just increases our capacity to receive grace more. It's it's a currency. Right. Honor is a currency. That I mean, I, I remember hearing um, Apostle Damon say that. Pastor Mark Castro say that. Pastor and it's Brad Custer, pa- yes. Oh my like gosh, man. Sermon on honor that we'd ever heard. I, I'm telling you, I remember I recorded it on my phone when we were at Campus Inn in Ohio. And I sat for the, the, this is probably one of the first times I've ever even heard someone teach on honor. Yeah. And when I heard Pastor Brad teach on it, you remember that, Ethan? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I sat there and I felt like my jaw was <laughs> just on the floor, like, oh. My gosh. And I remember him saying, he's like, he he still asked the same question. How in the world did I get to where I'm I'm at? Being surrounded by such a really good father, um, Apostle Damon to him, and and being around such brothers that pick him up the way that he does and loves. and, And he's just like, how in the world did I get here? He said, I have nothing out of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 so true, it's so true. It's such a it's such a currency, and and it's and and you're right. It's not like we are only honoring to obtain a a a uh, a position or a title or or um, some sort of stature or recognition. It's like a natural law. It really it is. Happens. It's just something that you should just be. Yes. It's something that you are. It, it it's it's a characteristic, but at the same time, it's the nature of Yahweh. Right. Honor is a nature. And it's supposed if the nature of, of Yahweh is honor, that's supposed to be in us because we are in him, he is in us. Yes. So it shouldn't be something that's overcomplicated. It shouldn't be something that's strived at. Honor should just be something that's yes, it, it can be taught, um, as we can tell by Pastor Brad and 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 some of the sons, but it's also something that's practiced. It's something that's lived out. You practice it, you practice honor on our spouses. And I would even challenge people to even think, how are you honoring your kids? Right. That is a tough, 
tough thing to think about. Oh, yeah, because we demand honor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You will listen to me. You will do this. This is my house. But how are you honoring them? Yep. And it's easy for us to pick up a microphone right now and, and say all these things. But it's the hardest thing, you know, even to look at them when you're wrong and be like, man, this is difficult. Yes. To look at them even when they're wrong. And kids make a plethora of mistakes mm -hmm. in a matter of 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. But to still be able to look at them in their eyes and still display the same level of value that you do to Yeshua. You know, yep. that's, that's where you, your, your level or your depth, the, the level of grace has to increase. But, man, that's, don't get me started. You already started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question. What would you say is the importance of serving our leaders' visions and dreams over our own? I don't, you don't give me questions like that. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that, um, honestly. I can answer it from my perspective. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're the one. I know. Well, um, I'm just going to share a little bit of our journey. I remember coming to the church and being content to sit for a while, but then knowing like we had been apart, we'd had our hands in so many things in the past, knowing that we, um, we wanted to serve. Yeah. And not saying we we wanted to do it for notoriety or anything, but the Lord has definitely given us dreams over the years that we wanted to see manifest, you know. And then there came a season where we stepped down from everything and um, kind of had to jump back into things, which we've never had to do before. Um, but during that time, I can say that... Um, Number one, it's important to serve no matter what, because like mom says, we're all a family at yeah. a home. Yeah. Everybody does their part. Um, and as far as serving their vision, I know for me, I mean, I came to a point after we stepped down from everything that I didn't feel like I had a vision or a dream for us. And it was such a, it was such a torment in my mind because yeah. we keep hearing in our culture, dream, take those dreams off the shelf. You know, the Lord is causing you to dream again. I'm like, what the heck? Well, I have no dreams, so what is wrong with me? <laughs> um, but Pops had said something really profound that has stuck with me um, in the past few months. He said, well, if you don't have a dream, we have big dreams. So attach your faith to ours yeah. and dream with us. Yeah. And that alignment for me, like I can speak in the education realm because, you know, I was a teacher for several years. Um, and after stepping down from that, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, yeah. I've always loved kids. And then we were in youth ministry. I'm like, oh, yeah, this feels great. And then we weren't in youth ministry. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I guess I'm just not dreaming again, you know, but I had been applying for, you know, several jobs, like 
just trying to get back into education. I'm like, well, I need to be doing something. Mm -hmm. This restlessness in me that feels like I need to be doing something more than taking care of my baby at home, Yeah, you know, or I need to contribute or whatever. Um, but it just wasn't happening. I mean, I got one interview and I got my ego hurt a little bit because I didn't get the job, which has never happened. Um, but anyway, after hearing Pop say that, I remember talking to mom and pop about a job offer I got and it was at that moment it was in that moment of pressure that I realized that my dreams were attached to their dreams yeah. it wasn't separate I wasn't to go back out into what God had called me out of yep. and still try to make my dreams happen you know when I when we became Christians I was very organized very calendar driven very determined, like, I'm going to college, I'm going to college with a baby, I'm finishing at this age, by this age, I'm going to have this accomplished, if I'm a teacher, I'm going to be the best. Hold on, college with a baby, we were married, we were yes. in the military, she was, we, we had Audrey L, so. Right, we started very young. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, serving their vision has caused all of that to rest in me. And I don't feel inferior. Yeah, I don't feel good. unseen. I don't feel like, oh, but what about God's purpose for my life? Mm. It's being fulfilled through their vision. Yeah. And actually, even when I think about dreaming, there's almost this fear now of going for things because they seem bigger than myself. But when you have people who are seeing even bigger than you, yeah. and you attach your faith and your dreams to to theirs and serve their vision once again it's like we can go anywhere from here and it's not impossible it just opens up this this realm of um possibilities yeah for our lives yeah i agree i agree i i mean you know the the amount of dreams i've had from yahweh you know from the time i was 19 first got saved slash awaken the, mm -hmm. the first great awakening. <laughs> um, you know, those, you know, from seeing Yahweh uh, to, you know, you name it, waking, you know, when we, we were young, freshly married, waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, crying, and now you're just like, go back to sleep type of thing. And in those dreams, you know, it, it was just a lot of um, Yahweh, you know, revealing himself to me and, and showing me, you know, my personal destiny some, somewhat. Um, and and um, I honor those. I honored and, and still honor those. And I think um, it was never Yahweh's fault. It was always mine for allowing those dreams to make it about me. Yeah. I think I started, you know, feeling some type of way and being like, oh, I'm this, I'm a big deal, but no one knows it yet. And, um, and I, I love now what, you know, the leaders that we have in our life, you know, hearing Apostle Damon, hearing mom and pop trumpet, um, the dreams that you get now should always involve the next generation. Right. And, and that, that's cosmic because I can't, for, for the longest time, I remember when it, from the time that I first gave my life to the Lord and seeing the pattern, I just started looking back at the past and seeing, you know, I, I used to listen to Bishop Ron Ash. Bishop T.D. Jakes, a lot of those preachers, um, and, and, you know, seeing family, you know, that, that spread the gospel, it was always about them, 
and we they there was just such an emphasis on their gifting and there was never a raising up necessarily well that's the culture of religion too and i know you're kind of being hard on yourself for it which you know your own heart but that culture of self-centeredness that's always wondering like well what is the call of god on my life yeah. you know on my life um it's just so interesting, night and day, Yeah, going back to what we talked about before. But anyway, I was just trying to say, I don't think that's entirely your fault. You know, there is this emphasis on a calling, and, it, and it's more esteemed to be a pastor yeah. or a youth pastor or a worship leader than it is to be a doctor or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And that's been another shift yeah. that we've had to um, let take place in our minds. Yeah, yeah. I... I, I... I know that um, the Lord was just really trying to help me understand me and Him. I know that now. Back then, I I, I didn't. Um, you know, I, I I just I remember the ministries that we used to be a part of, and how you know, knowing my personality, I knew that I would be able to you know gain the favor of people. You know, I knew the gifting. You saw it. You know, being able to stand in front of people and and just allow it, and it was just very um, immature. It wasn't insincere. It was just very immature. You know, back then, um, but now it's it's so much different and it's so much more freeing. I feel such a liberty and and freedom and grace to be able to be where we're at, knowing, and it's not putting my dream on the back burner. Right. It's it's me submitting my dream back to Yahweh, saying, "Lord, I acknowledge, I realize, I know what you want to do, but I'm 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 completely whole enough to say I put it back in your hands, and not to say that it's not sufficient, that it's not good, not that I don't want it. I just know that that dream is never going to be fulfilled by me alone." Right. There's no pressure on us to make it happen. And that was a lot of our futility before. Like, okay, you've shown us all this. Now, when does this happen? How do we make it happen? But we get to rest now and through honor, going back to what you said, and with a spiritual mom and dad, just let it unfold and enjoy the journey until. Yeah. And now it's it's like what 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 I used to see was me, me, me. I now get to dream with Yahweh. I get to I get to go beside Yeshua, and I it's like I kind of see this, as Pastor Kevin Barbary says in my mind's eye. It's like okay, I see the dream, you know, I have it, you know, while I'm sleeping, or there's a vision, but now I get to ask the question, okay, Lord, I see it. So now, how do I get to include the next generation in this? Yeah, to where it becomes cosmic, it doesn't become self, and and now I get to, um, as I'm dreaming with Yahweh on this, I'm I'm. Letting know, letting my my spiritual parents hear the dreams, but even as I'm doing that, I've never untethered myself from their goal and their dream, their mission, their their not their cause, but their heart. I never untether. Their theirs comes first, right? Because we, you, and I are the next generation for them, and they're still our kids. Is you know they're the next generation as well that they look at and say. They're coming up, and I, I can't remember if it was Apostle Damon that said something along the lines of, "If your dream can be fulfilled in your lifetime, then you're not dreaming big enough." I, I long to be able to share the encounters that I've written down that I've had with um, Yeshua, and that I've had, 
and, and this is the beauty of having this podcast because we're going to get really weird, but the encounters that I've had with angelic beings and, and other things like that with my, with my son, with my daughters, and be able to say, I'm just the stepping stool for you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm pioneering something that our family has never pioneered. And I say the Parker generation or Hopewell generation that they've never stepped into because of either fear or they've ran from it or they've made it about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I've come to you and say, man, I, I found out that my great, great grandfather used to be a preacher. And I'm like, man, what happened? Not to say that something fell, that he did something off. It, the torch was just never passed or the baton was never passed. So it's like, I find as being a father, the greatest blessing that we get to pick up what was dropped in our family. And we get to pass it along. We get to go, we get to pioneer something. We get to go into the greatest dimensions, the greatest realms, uh, the different heavens that are available for us and, and pass it on to our, our kids to say, listen, I didn't, I'm not stopping here. I, you know, even when it's our time to pass on into the other side of eternity, that, you know, who's to say that they don't see us pass on and they still get to encounter us. I'm just getting a little weird now. And some people will be like, oh, you know, it's uh, necrophilia. No, it's not. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. But uh, I just, I, I long to see the dreams and the visions and the goals that, you know, that are for the house of the South Gate to be able to come into full wholeness and to see it function the way it, it's a freedom outpost. I told Pop that one time at worship here recently. I was like, it, it, we've heard it so many times, but it was like I felt the tangibleness. We are a freedom outpost that when people come off the streets, when families come from distant places, when there are broken people that come, the very first thing that they should encounter is, is the love of Yahweh, which brings them into freedom and wholeness. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of all of this. And that I, you see it in mom and pop. You hear it from them. You hear it from other leaders that are part of Southgate, that this is about the fact that the Lord has placed a mantle over this house, not a mantle over a man and woman, yeah. but a mantle over this house. And to say that this is, this will be, and this is a freedom outpost for those to come and find wholeness in Yahweh, not in a man and woman, but in Abba Father. And that's why I'm so, like, that's so much bigger than anything I could dream of. And that, it makes me so excited to be tethered to that. And it's really interesting as you're talking, you're talking about the next generation, and that's always been in us. You know, I've known since the third grade that I wanted to work with kids and when Yahweh first gave you dreams, it concerned the youth. Yeah. That was our first yeah. ministry was youth. And it's not separate from mom and pops because before we even knew that the next generation was was everything in their hearts, it was in ours. Yeah. And we didn't have to ask, you know, hey, what's your vision, brother? <laughs> you know, and can we serve sorry? And can we serve it? naturally being aligned with Yahweh and being aligned with them, our hearts combine with theirs. And then again, we can go anywhere. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Man, goodness. That's so good, boo. Awesome. Well, uh, I think I'll, uh, I think (laughs) it's like there's so much momentum that's been built up and it's, yeah, we could breathe a little bit. Well, we got, we got our family gathering tonight anyway, so we're just going to carry, you know, the spirit of what, what he's doing here. And we're just going to take it there and celebrate with our family. But um, 
I, I really, I'm really thankful that my bride um, said yes to being able to join me and hearing her heart and her paradigm and, uh, you know, what she is feeling and seeing for our family and being able to describe um, a lot of what's burning in her. And this won't be the last time. So uh, thank you, Ethan, for, for coming through. Uh, we got Elijah in here, too, that, that came through with, with Ethan. So um, this concludes this podcast. Thanks for those that have tuned in and joined us.